This is the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast, presented by eCity Interactive. eCity creates websites, marketing campaigns, and magic for higher ed institutions, large and small. Every digital challenge has a solution. eCity's talented team of problem solvers will help you find yours. And now, here's your host, Stephen App. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Stephen App. A pretty cool show today. We are talking with George Washington University, which recently closed the largest comprehensive fundraising campaign in school history. Uh, Their Making History campaign resulted in more than 66,000 donors who contributed more than $1 billion to the university uh, over the course of six years. And here to tell us more about this impressive fundraising campaign is Matt Lindsay, the Executive Director of Digital Strategy and Engagement and Jen Riordan, GW's Executive Director of Donor Relations. Uh, Matt and Jen, welcome to the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast. We are happy to be with you, Steve. Uh, We will provide a quick overview of George Washington's Making History campaign. Jen and I are both longtime employees of GW, coming from slightly different perspectives. Uh, I sit on the marketing communication side and in donor relations, but we collaborated very closely together and obviously with with staff around the division and the university on making history through this campaign. So this was the university's first billion dollar campaign. It was actually the third major comprehensive campaign, but we hadn't been in one uh, for a long for a long time, excuse me. Uh, A lot of planning goes into a campaign of this magnitude obviously at the highest levels of leadership and the board of trustees folks are involved in scoping out the campaign looking at prospects looking at past attainment looking at strategic plan and and focus areas for the university and all that uh comes together before you launch launch a campaign so we were excited to get board of trustee approval and officially move into the silent phase of the campaign in july 2011. we estimated it would run about seven years, but the goal was $1 billion. So everyone knew that from the outset, um, whatever length of time it would take to, to reach that, that goal put us in, in that sort of pantheon of universities that have reached uh, that, that magic number. We subsequently launched the campaign uh, publicly in June 2014 with a large event, changed over some web, web properties, there's a lot of work on the donor relations side. I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more. Uh, and as, as you know, we, we culminated uh, the campaign uh, June 30th, 2017. So we were actually a year ahead of schedule. Uh, we had reached our billion dollar goal and we're heading into a presidential transition. And we'll talk a little bit more about what's ahead for, for GW, some very exciting things. But all that led to wrapping up the campaign uh, in 2017, a year ahead of schedule, instead of moving, you know, increasing the goal and extending the timeline. Yeah, and obviously this was a huge campaign for, for George Washington, and there's a lot that goes into a campaign that runs, whether it runs for six years, seven years, or, or, or even longer for, for some, maybe some other schools or other comprehensive campaigns. I imagine there's just uh, an immense amount of planning that goes into a campaign of this magnitude. And from a marketing standpoint, I'm thinking especially, uh, how did you go about trying to think about the content that was going to play a role in 
in marketing the impact that this campaign was having and then further uh, stewarding donors for the campaign? I would say, um, I think we decided pretty early on uh, that uh, we knew that we weren't going to, to follow the more traditional forms of recognizing donors at the end of the campaign. I think we knew early on as an institution we had done away with the more traditional forms of honor rolls and lists of donors. Um, so we kept that in mind as we were planning uh, initially when the, when the campaign kicked off, we knew that that was going to be something throughout the campaign that we would need to address. How would we be recognizing donors throughout the campaign and then ultimately at the end? Um, and so we, you know, it, I, I don't know that it necessarily was uh, special, a different course than we normally would have taken, but we're constantly collecting content on how donors' funds are used and sharing those back as, as uh, impact of gift reports with donors. And so uh, I will say over the course of the campaign, we were collecting a number of stories and telling, using them in different uh, proper, digital properties, print uh, uh, publications and whatnot, um, so that by the end of the campaign, we had a vast collection of, of stories that could be curated into telling the broader story of the campaign. Yeah, and so from the marketing uh, side, I think the key in terms of content as you're heading into a campaign or doing planning is to obviously do an assessment and start with what systems you already have in place and where you have content uh, that's already being produced. Our, working with our donor relations team, they had those systems in place, especially for a certain level of gift. I know for different universities, different organizations, sort of at what level uh, they provide personalized stewardship and reports differs. But usually there is, there is some level at which there is a very, very personal reporting back to the donor about the impact of their philanthropy and often identifying people who have benefited from that gift. So that was the first thing to, to, to get cataloged and just start and look at our existing system. A campaign is an opportunity for, for development division alumni relations, usually where there is some investment uh, from the university and so there's an opportunity to ramp up, ramp that up. And I think working with donor relations, we've come up with better systems, obviously move to more digital processes, especially with students who are here on scholarship where we capture their stories. Uh, and then uh, we can sort of prioritize it as, as it were for students that we want to capture uh, photos of, that we want to put on video, so different types of, of meetings. But that first step is really an assessment. What do we have and where do we lack? From the student side, uh, faculty side, who are people that can talk, that are currently being uh, being supported by philanthropy who can really talk about its impact and be your ambassadors as you go out and prepare for a public launch of a campaign. Was there any concern from your standpoint about showing the impact of the donations rather than recognizing the donors in, in some type of, I guess, I guess we'll say traditional honor roll, uh, something that really highlights the donors rather than the impact. So was there any concern in terms of larger gifts that that might be a turnoff? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. I mean, I think that's always, um, it's always a conversation to have and, and you have to know your donors. I think we are very cognizant of, 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 of speaking and speaking with our donors and having conversations as they're making their gifts so that you know, as we are learning more about them and they're learning more about how we do things, it's a conversation. And I, I would, I would generally say we have um, we have systems in place to broadly recognize donors, but at the same time, we try to personalize 
to the donor's wishes. And so if, if, if a donor is particularly, um, I guess the word is shy or not interested in that sort of, sort of public recognition, we're certainly cognizant of that. Um, some donors we know like to see their name in print and, and, and want us to um, publicize their philanthropy as much as we can. And so I think we have systems in place that can accommodate both. Uh, and we did so throughout the campaign. Doing so at the end, um, I don't, I would say that was a conscious choice that we made to recognize everyone in a similar fashion. Um, but as Matt had mentioned, uh, stopping the campaign a year early and the uh, abbreviated timeline in which we were doing things uh, led us to these decisions uh, as to how we were uh, publicizing the overall impact of the campaign. So um, I think it was a combination of uh, available time and uh, resources to accomplish what we were hoping to do um, in a manner that was appropriate and, um, you know, achieve the goals that we were hoping to do. And so I think that at, as a result, I think we, we came up with a product that was fair and balanced um, and really was appropriate for the levels of gifts that the, that the donors gave. It's like anything else. So we expect that our development officers are asking those questions as the gifts are coming in. Do you know what this donor's, how this donor wants to be recognized? And so we're documenting that, we're keeping track of that information. And on the flip side, for those that want more publicity, we're, we're encouraging that and finding those channels to deliver that message. Yeah, I imagine that, especially as you work your way towards the end of this campaign, was there a concern that as you wrapped up the campaign and look, a billion dollars and a billion dollars plus is a massive accomplishment. How do you ensure that people don't stop donating because they think mission accomplished, George Washington doesn't need my money anymore? How did you make sure to communicate the impact of the campaign in a way that would inspire future donations and future donors? We were very, it's a great question, we were very cognizant of the fact that a billion dollars is a lot of money and that when we messaged, we did not say we're done or we're finished. We celebrated campaign milestones and achievements, but we are, there is still more need at the university and at almost every university uh, for, for students and for faculty to provide the resources that are required uh, for a top tier education to prepare them for, for the real world, to, New research that changes lives, that transforms healthcare, that changes policy. There's there's always more opportunity. Uh, we did look at, at other universities who've done a nice job too. Obviously, there have been plenty of universities that have been in big campaigns, and how they message around uh, celebrating what had happened and noting that there would be more to come. This is this is not GW's last uh, comprehensive campaign. Uh, wasn't our first. And so I do think you need to strike that balance and show what was accomplished, but note that the, the need continues. And, and working through that through digital channels, but through le leadership is important. Our leadership did a very nice job of saying, quantifying and identifying some stories of, you know, such and such students were, were able to attend uh, GW on a, on a full scholarship because of your philanthropy. We still have need. We cannot uh, provide the amount of need-based financial aid that we'd like to. There's still these challenges. And even though we, we moved from 
one tier to the next, there is still room to grow and there's still up, there are still students who would like to attend GW and are qualified to attend, but cannot because of resources. So that's going to be an ongoing challenge that is not uh, solved just with, with one campaign. And again, on the faculty side, again, the research and the, the um, uh, you know, faculty spending time uh, in the classroom, enabling them to, to get out and speak at conferences, all those, the, the resources that are provided there is, is a real win. And that, that helps the whole system. It's not just helping a faculty member. It's providing students with, uh, with faculty that have, are at the cutting edge of their fields, have more real-world consulting experience, depending on what the field may be, um, and can, can bring more into the classroom or in supporting students on their undergraduate research. So it's a great point, and I, there's no silver bullet in, in how you message it, but you need to appreciate what people have done. And, and uh, producing products like this microsite and, and reaching out to people at the end of the campaign with thank yous, hopefully they continue to see value in supporting the university. And donor retention is a really big thing at all levels, and hopefully we retain a lot of those, the donors that gave during this Making History campaign. Yeah, I think the only thing I would add to what Matt said was I think we were very conscious of the language that we use to talk about our success because I think that's the, the balance that you need to strike. We're appreciative of those who supported the campaign. It helped us to reach the goals that we had set for ourselves, but that the, striking the right chord of, but there's still more to be done. Um, so I think we need to be sensitive to celebrating the successes that we had in an appropriate way. Um, and so that donors know what that, that their gifts were used as they were intended, um, that they feel appreciated for those gifts, and they now feel more engaged with the university as a result of the campaign. I want to pivot to, to another topic that came up with regard to this campaign, and Matt and Jenna, well, I know when you mentioned earlier the fact that you know a, a comprehensive campaign of this magnitude doesn't happen if everyone's not aligned. I mean, this is a full university effort. But of course, every school and college within a, a large campus like GW has its own unique messaging. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about maybe the challenge of creating unity in the messaging across campus and, and how, you, how you sought a unified message for this campaign. Yeah, so we sought a unified message for this campaign by involving leadership at all levels and involving folks across the university. So our leadership uh, in the division, and give them a lot of credit, and at the university we're very cognizant that this isn't just the development office has a campaign. Know about it. It's, it's when campaigns are robust and they're really transformative, everyone's on board. So there's, there's faculty support. Uh, students are aware and know that they're contributing the ways that they can, which probably isn't a lot, a lot of financially, but they see that this will transform um, their student experience and that it can improve the student experience in the, the educational environment and the outcomes for future generations of students. And the university leadership really takes it on as, this is our campaign. 
we're going to provide you the resources. We're going to make sure that uh, that the the messaging in the campaign is aligned with other major university initiatives. So for us, we really there were really three things happening around the same time at George Washington University. They were slightly different when they went live. We were planning for the largest campaign ever, ever in the history of the university. We were working on a rebranding, a shift in identity, an update in identity. And we, there was a strategic planning uh, initiative. So while the development office was, and development and alumni relations were primary uh, on point for planning the campaign, and while the external relations division at GW was primary for leading the, the rebranding and identity updates, and while the academic side in the provost's office was leading the, the strategic plan, there were cross-cutting working groups, there were conversations on all parties so that each component of the university was looped in to what the others were doing. So I was part of a, of a committee that was looking at the rebranding that, that actually went live in summer 2012, a brand refresh, more than a complete rebrand. Um, and so we were in the loop about that and that could inform our, as we thought about the campaign and as we were in a silent phase, as we were building out what we went public with in terms of an identity and campaign messages and pillars. Likewise, we had other leadership, and I wasn't part of this, but who were involved in the, uh, the strategic planning, again, led by the provost and the academics uh, side of the house, that was ended up being called Vision 2021. That's the GW's bicentennial uh, in 2021. So there was, we were trying, there was, it was cognizant that these, while these were, these were related efforts, while they were, you know, a discrete outcome from each of these projects, they, when they were working in concert, that would be the, the best for the, for the university. So that, those were used to try to bring people together, but that's not, just meeting with folks and knowing what's going on certainly doesn't mean that everyone's uh, marching to the beat of the same drummer. It takes a lot of work to build out those messages and build out an identity. And that's why the silent phase was helpful in, in talking to more, more participants and building that or silent or quiet phase, I should say, because you're not really totally silent. Um, we use that to really build out the message, learn about the priorities in the schools and the units, roll that up to a central marketing communications team and a central development operation that says, okay, how can we package all these things together? There's so many, there's so many needs at the university from a funding standpoint, but there's so many great things going on. How do we package them? And that's where you know, we call the pillars of our of the Making History campaign. We said it was focused on supporting students, enhancing academics, and breaking new ground at GW. And so those touched on some of the main themes that any comprehensive national research university would would be focused on. Um, but we were able to put our own spin on it and make sure that again, as we developed these, we were aligned with what was happening on the the brand uh, development side of the house from a university perspective and the, the academic and strategic planning that was going on. And just to tie in the donor relations component on that, I mean, I think the campaign afforded us the opportunity to reinforce the messaging that we use in, in dealing with different schools and, and units as we talk about the importance of using donor funds. Um, so a, a good portion of the work that we do when we want to prepare information for donors about how they're 
how their gifts are having an impact, we work closely with faculty and students and um, developing our different impact narratives. And so the, the campaign gave us the vehicle to say, listen, you know, we're in, we're in a, this is a special time where we have very lofty goals that we're trying to achieve and we need your help. Um, so I think it helped to further build those relationships and again, bring unity to what we were all trying to do and to accomplish together. Um, so not that that, it, it, it wasn't that it was such a departure from business as usual, but it um, created a, a more urgent sense of the importance of the work that we're all doing together. Yeah, and I'm really curious to know as you go through this, uh, if you want to call it a, a quiet phase, a private phase, a silent phase, uh, is there a, a milestone that you're looking to reach before you can go public? Is it about that unified marketing message and feeling comfortable that you have something that everyone can rally around? Or is it maybe a quantitative measure where you are looking to reach a certain amount of donations and whether your message is ready or not, that campaign is going live? There, well, for us, and I think there's probably different nuances on how you balance both, uh, both of those things. They, they both need to be ready. You need to sort of, uh, in traditional comprehensive campaigns, universities will look to have 30, 40, usually 50% of the, the campaign raised by the time that they actually go public. Shows momentum, shows that the quote-unquote insiders have made significant investments uh, to the campaign in the future of the university. So you're not launching at zero, obviously. Um, that does differ based on the university, the leadership, their situation as to what that, that percentage is in terms of the, the comprehensive uh, campaigns. So we were at a billion dollar campaign when we went live in uh, 2014, about three years into our work. We, we were at $525 million, so we were just over 50%. Of course, it's not like we went over 50% and then just started planning a launch event and, and getting branding. Um, all of that was, was coming along uh, as, as we built out the campaign. We did not have a brand or, or an identity on day one of, of this, the quiet phase uh, when the you know, board signed off on the fact that we could enter a campaign. That was being developed as, as we moved along. Uh, and as the priorities developed, leadership, you know, and that, again, I mentioned the strategic plan. So I, I think to be successful, you need both. You need to show uh, and the, that there has been success, that there is a broad base of folks willing to invest in the university and in this campaign so you can come out with a good number. But you also need to have a, a, a strong brand, as it were, for the campaign that, that says, uh, this is who we are as a university, this is what we hope to, to become. The campaign will realize this, and here are some of our focus areas. So I, I think you need both, and we wouldn't have gone public with a subpar brand, for, for example. You also mentioned earlier the different audiences that you're trying to communicate with in order to reach this this type of lofty fundraising goal from faculty to alumni students uh, and their parents uh, were you aware or focused on changing the marketing message i think matt you mentioned earlier you, you obviously know that students won't be able to donate financially uh in the in the way that alumni might be able to so were you were you able to tweak your marketing message to maybe focus more on uh, extending the campaign's reach or, or referring other individuals or just sharing the message? Definitely. So 
I was looking at Jen a little bit because actually the most, probably the most important group in terms of when we think about different audience types uh, and making sure that they understand the message of the campaign is your current donors, your current donors, that you retain those folks, that they, they see a sense of momentum, they understand the vision of leadership, they see that, what, that this is an opportunity to change and improve the university. And so ideally, your major donors become principal level donors, whatever terms you use at your organization, and everyone sort of moves up the ladder as it were. So yes, as you're building the brand, the identity, you want to be cognizant of something that can resonate, that reflects the university and can resonate with different audiences. We were, uh, were cognizant that in terms of our major donors or leadership volunteers, and a lot of those uh, are, are managed through personal relationships, that, again, the focus is there's a connection. Um, those relationships work best when there is uh, shared goals between the donor and the university. And so the, the, they're very much aligned, and so the, the donors committing uh, resources uh, from that, that are supporting things that are passionate to them and where the university has a real strength. Uh, so, but those are, are often communicated in more personal meetings or personal proposals or ideas as opposed to mass communications. So we did certainly did some audience segmentation. Uh, and in, in some cases, and with certain audiences, the campaign isn't what you lead with, but it's more of a tertiary message or it's just an underlying message. We did some research uh, during this, campaign um, with a group called Broder Partners on Annual Giving Side, actually, and uh, tested out what the strongest messages were for our general uh, alumni base in terms of motivations to give. Uh, and that was really about scholarships providing a, an education for someone who wouldn't otherwise be able to, to attend GW. But on the annual giving side, these aren't people who, who generally, that audience isn't going to have a million dollars that they can just give outright and be able to fund uh, a, new, a new scholarship. It's about pooling those resources. So how you can message sort of through the collective power of uh, your gifts, we were able to allow uh, Julia, the student, to attend GW and have this world-class uh, education. So it's a part showing the, the real faces and the real people that will be impacted, and then rounding back with the, the stories of of success. And the last I'll say from an annual giving perspective, we did test messages too, and so testing and, and iterating and change, being ready to try out different messages is something that should, should happen. The, the overall campaign brand did not change, but the, some of the sub-messaging within it did based on what we found resonated with an audience. So on the annual giving side, for a specific example, we found that leading with a campaign message as a these are people who are either lower level donors or haven't given in a couple years or maybe gave last year but not this year. And so the overall campaign message didn't resonate as much as something like a scholarship ask or the people. Um, so we mentioned the campaign again sort of at the, the end of the message to, to, as sort of a rallying point. Um, but it wasn't the, the primary ask wasn't give because we're in a campaign, give, give $50. Uh, though that did motivate some leadership volunteers and it sort of moved forward some of the bigger donor conversations.
And, and just getting back to your point before about, you know, the student's role in the campaign, I mean, I think that's where, um, not that this is dissimilar from other institutions, but our annual giving program over the past couple of years while we were in the planning phases and then again in the public phase of the campaign, they've been building our senior class giving program and encouraging participation. And I think participation more broadly amongst our undergraduate alumni population. So I think the campaign was running on a parallel track while that was an initiative so that the students understand that they were giving and it does, it, the expectation was not that they were giving at the highest levels, it's that they were actually participating uh, in, the, in, the, in the spectrum of philanthropy. And that they weren't the ones that are gonna necessarily carry us to a billion dollars, but they are part of, the, part of the process. And so building that culture of giving back from day one uh, while you're still on campus um, is more of a long-term perspective. And I think that to their credit, they've done a great job with that uh, over the course of the campaign. Yeah, and on the other end of the spectrum, you know, we have that, that top-level donor, and uh, I think uh, you mentioned earlier the one-to-one the -one stewardship. Uh, I'm wondering if you could maybe talk a little bit about the way that you try to take that one-to-one -one stewardship, that one-to-one -one relationship that is so essential to development, and, and try to, to scale that to the best of your abilities. Right. So, I mean, part of the motivation why people give is because they have something in mind. They have a hope or a dream or something they, they aspire to achieve by making this gift. And so if someone, for example, has chosen to endow a faculty position in an area of interest very personal to them, we want to build that relationship. And so um, as the faculty member comes on board, we want that faculty member and that donor to have a relationship and that helps to build their engagement with the university in the broader sense but at a very personal level it helps them see how their gift has made a difference and it's, it's helping the university but it's helping them to actualize you know a, a dream or a vision that they had um, as part of their philanthropy and so um, it's, it's very similar on the financial aid side donors tend to give back to areas that resonate most with them and so if a particular donor has been, you know, when they were in college were supported by philanthropy and so they are motivated to do so now that they have the means to do so, you know, putting the donor in contact with a student that is benefiting from their support is, uh, it, it has a transformational impact on their philanthropy. Um, I think knowing that you are having the desired impact that, that your money is being used as you intended. I mean, I think that's the, that's the magic equation uh, that ensures donors uh, feel like they are having uh, the impact that they envision. So it's, it's our responsibility to ensure that we're making those connections. Um, we're listening to what their interests are and how we can maximize that relationship. So, you know, we work very close. You know, our team certainly can't do that independently. We work very closely with development officers who solicit the gifts, who meet with the donors more frequently, um, but we ask the right questions. You know, are you satisfied with your stewardship? Do you, are you satisfied with your gift as having the desired impact? You know, it, it's a, it's, it's a two-way street. I mean, I think they're entrusting the institution to use the funds as they intended, um, but it's, it's incumbent upon us to go back and ask those, those right questions because, um, 
you know, things change over time as people um, become more engaged with the university, they're going to ask those tougher questions. And I think uh, it's important for the university to be able to answer those questions uh, and be responsive to, to, the, to the feedback that donors have. Yes, and with that's a priority for all of us with 275,000 alumni and 66,000, nearly 67,000 donors during the campaign, we obviously can't have all of those conversations personally. So from the marketing communication side, when you talk about scaling it up and, and taking uh, the one-to-one -on, one -one model and trying to make it uh, one-to-many and still personalized, uh, one of the, the tools Sorry, there are many, many tools. But one of the exciting trends, I think, in, in the development of my relations field is the increasing prevalence of technology and the use of, of data and the strategic use of data, being data-informed in developing programs and in, in engaging with donors and engaging with alumni and in, in asking for support. So I would say that that's been an area certainly that I've been excited to see GW and the, this division grow in specifically in terms of how we capture data and how we use that to make our uh, an outreach and connections more personal and more relevant to our alumni and donors. At the end of the day, if you can be relevant, speak to someone's interest, that's, that attracts attention. Uh, if you're talking about things that are not of, of interest and not, not at all timely and not uh, what is relevant to someone, that's a good way to be considered a spammer. So we try and take the principles Jen was talking about from the donor relations side and say, how can we use technology, how can we use data to, uh, to do more of that? And it's, it's, a, it's a continued improvement process. It's not like we have some have hit upon some magic system that we do it perfectly. It takes a full organization and it takes uh, people thinking about digital transformation and making sure that, um, that the data is being captured and appropriately entered and then can be acted upon and that you've got systems and people that can do all that, right? It's the, the traditional three-legged stool of people, process, and technology, and everyone in the, the village that is the Division of Development Alumni Relations needs to understand the value of those three things and how they can work in harmony to, from a broad, again, a broad-based perspective, do our best to understand what people care about and use that for communications and then present opportunities to make gifts that are relevant which are much more likely to be taken up by our constituents than to sort of random, random asks to get back to the university because you have a degree here or because you live in the local community or you're a parent. So we try to be, use data and technology to be, to be personalized and be relevant uh, as much as possible, uh, but it's, it's a continued work in progress. Matt, I'm curious if there are any specific examples where you maybe try to tailor uh, marketing content to donors to try to, to try to increase those donations or conversions or, or whatnot. Yeah, so working with, it's a good question. So in terms of tailoring marketing message uh, and donation opportunities to donors, we definitely looked around the industry, both in higher ed and outside of nonprofit, about how folks 
do that well, how they tailor the message, but then keep that emotional connection through the donation process. So, uh, and in fact, I think a lot of nonprofits do that better um, than, than higher ed in some cases. So there's room for, for higher ed to, to grow there. Uh, for example, one organization we, we like a lot, I personally think their, their marketing is really strong, is Charity Water. Uh, they have specific initiatives. They are, are helping people. You see the faces of the people uh, that, who are going to be getting water because of your donations. They round back to you using technology and using, um, you know, using new technology and old technology to show the, the, the progress on their, their projects. And they're real and they're tangible. And those outcomes to donors are, uh, are measurable. And again, they're, you, can, you can almost touch them and feel them. And, and even though you're not there, you're not in Africa or wherever the project might be. Um, so we looked at that in terms of when we're building landing pages, donation forms, when we're following up on gifts. How can we do that better? Uh, it's hard at scale and at a large university, uh, frankly. So we chose to take on certain projects or, or specific areas where we had more content. We looked at Power and Promise, which is our scholarships initiative, where donor relations already has systems to collect content. We know about students who are receiving those scholarships. How can we put those pictures on our landing pages of our donation forms, smiling students with a quote, or even just a smiling student, things, identifying those are the people that you can be helped by. How can we make it so that there's one landing page, but depending on your area of study at GW or where you're working now, you might see a student that's like you or like you like you were one of students and they're studying business. Uh, so that we, even if it's not something we're telling them, that we can sort of emphasize that you're supporting someone who is sort of in the same shoes that you walked in before. Um, and so we have drawn from looking at uh, Charity Water and some other nonprofits, again, that I think uh, do this really well on the front end and then again on the back end. So much of it's about follow-up and, and showing that even if I give $50, $100, um, I want to know, where, especially if I'm putting that in a, in a scholarship fund, uh, I'd like to know where that went to and I'd like to know how many students received those scholarships and if you identify one that was you know, collectively was, was assisted uh, through the donations of, of many of many individuals who are invested in providing opportunities at GW that is that's great so uh, we do definitely try and uh, you know tailor the, the front end ex uh, experience on donation forms and ask to what the individual cares about and then ideally, again, we're, doing, we're using technology to follow up with relevant information about uh, where, where folks direct their donations to. We've piloted that in some areas, but the exciting thing, too, for me at least, is that there's, we can scale that out much more. And we've, we've sort of scratched the surface, and the campaign in part drove that and allowed us to do more with that, but we can still extend that out further. Wow, that's fan. That's fantastic. Uh, you know, I love the way that, that you guys are are taking lessons from from someone who's not in your own vertical, uh, at least certainly not directly, and then and then putting those into practice. I'm curious from I guess from a, a really broad standpoint now, you know, six years, huge campaign, uh, incredible number of donors. Uh, for each of you, Matt and Jenna, I'm really curious to know what you might say is 
is the number one lesson that you've learned from this campaign that, that maybe other professionals out there who are on the other end of this, who are just starting a comprehensive campaign, can, uh, can listen and, and learn from as they begin this process? So I think that the number one lesson learned that I would share in terms of a comprehensive multi-year campaign is it is a marathon, it's not a sprint. So there will be a lot of uh, different things that, that happen uh, during the campaign. You could have leadership transitions, you could have campaign focus evolve, you can have new priorities come about at the university because there's an opportunity uh, that arises or a new partnership uh, or a donor brings an idea to the university that we really can't pass up. Um, but it's about sort of, if you're looking at a comprehensive campaign and something like a billion dollars, it's going to be a long-term initiative and there are going to be highs and lows during that. But if you can keep uh, pressing ahead, uh, at the end of the day, the, the university and your division will move forward. And it's exciting to look back and, and for me to think about where we were in 2011, marketing communications from a staffing, from sort of a technology and strategy standpoint, and how we've we've evolved and improved. I think that's really exciting. And this this my other little corollary there, and the second uh, thing is just never lose sight of why you're doing what you're doing and who you're doing it for. So I think that as we wrapped up the campaign, that was a and we worked on this microsite. That was a really exciting portion for me because you can really it crystallizes okay, these are the students who are benefiting from this. These are the faculty members who have been able to, to share knowledge, um, disseminate, you know, disseminate new knowledge, do new research, and then make, uh, share that or you know, improve, uh, improve systems for healthcare, or do better for the community because of this type of funding. So I think uh, when, you know, when, when things get rough, don't lose sight of, of the mission uh, and I think education is, is so powerful and, and transformative that, uh, that, so, that sometimes what I would go back to uh, and make sure that, that you, you stay aligned with sort of the people that, that are being helped because of our work. I would say that I, the campaign offered us the opportunity to look at things through a different lens. Um, there were situations, as Matt alluded to, where you know, things that we hadn't planned for or things that came up that um, we needed to be nimble and adjust to over the course of the campaign. And I think that flexibility um, and ability to know what you have planned, know what you're trying to achieve, knowing your end game, um, and then looking at the available resources and how to use those in different ways, not just because that's the way you've always done it, but to think about... Um, like the content that we've been collecting. We've been collecting content for a long time, but there's different ways to use your information. And so as much as we are driven by the need to ensure our donors are having the best experience possible, as, as Matt was talking about, uh, from a business process side, I think it enabled us to, to find new and creative ways to do our job. Um, so I, I'd like to think we're somewhat of a different organization than when we started, uh, in that we're a little smarter, a little more efficient, um, and certainly uh, trying to provide the highest level of service that we can in a more efficient format. Jen and Matt, this was, this was fantastic and, and a wonderful learning opportunity for, for me to hear you guys talk about 
Well, really, it was an incredible fundraising campaign for, for George Washington University. Before we let you go here, uh, where can our listeners uh, connect with you online and, and where can they learn more about the Making History campaign online? So our campaign website, our campaign impact report is at makinghistory.gwu.edu. We're both uh, reachable. Our, our information is on uh, giving.gwu.edu, which is our current giving website. Um, I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn. My Twitter handles L-I-N-D-S-A-M, the number eight, Vincent eight, uh, and LinkedIn under Matt Lindsay. We'd love to hear more ideas. We're always looking to grow and evolve. And of course, each week on the show, we ask our guests to give a social shout out to someone in their industry or university that deserves more recognition for their work. And uh, Jen and Matt, the floor is yours. Our team subscribes to Lynn Wester, the donor relations guru, and uh, we're firm believers in a, a lot of the best practices that she's been preaching for years. And for me, from the, from the marketing communications side, I think there are a lot of people uh, who are really interesting and uh, have some great ideas. Um, I'd call out Andrew Gosen at Cornell. Um, I think the whole Cornell team does some really great stuff in terms of marketing, communications, and, and, and donor relations, um, frankly. So I think about Andrew, um, and he's been kind enough to give me some time over the years to just throw some big ideas back, back and forth. And since you said one or two colleagues, I'll take the last and give a little <laughs> GW shout out um, to Peter Konworski, who's our, G, who's our dean of students at GW. He's at GW Peter K. Um, and really is uh, on Twitter, but also through social, really does a great job to engage with students uh, directly through social channels, um, provide customer service support, uh, spread and share new ideas and initiatives from the university. Uh, He's been working here for a while, but is such a great advocate for the university. And it's great to have someone on the student affairs, dean of students side that, uh, that really understands the way that students are communicating and it engages with them and with alumni um, through social media. Uh, well, Jen and Matt, thank you so much for, for joining the Hashtag Higher Ed Podcast. Uh, congratulations, first and foremost, on an incredible fundraising campaign. And uh, I can't wait to see what the future holds for, for GW. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having us. We appreciate it.